The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire Master. My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! So what are we drinking today? So we're expanding our horizons Expanding horizons. I love that. Yeah. We're trying the Kayo Whiskey, which is a Japanese Mizunara oak aged Japanese whiskey. Okay. It's chill filtered whiskey. And when I read the tasting notes on this, they said there's some vanilla tones. It has a longer finish. And that could be subjective based on all Japanese whiskeys have a certain type of finish. Yeah. As compared to Irish whiskeys or bourbons or whatnot. This, the Japanese whiskeys, from what I understand, lots of them are closer to a scotch. Okay. But there are a few that are closer to a bourbon. Oh, but this one in particular is supposed to be closer to a scotch. And it, I think it was 2019, this was ranked 14th. Gotcha. So on Whiskey Aficionado. I've been excited to try a Japanese whiskey well, Japanese for a while. Japanese whiskeys are about the hottest thing going in whiskey. Yes, you know, yes. You read about Japanese whiskeys, and they're super popular around the world, especially like in China and Japan. Yeah. 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 From what I hear from one of the local sommeliers that I deal with on whiskeys from time to time, I mean, he was sharing that China's buying up huge amounts of inventory. So, yeah, so it's much- pushing the price point. It's doing two things. It's pushing the price point, but it's also not letting the whiskeys age per se. That's that's exactly right. The the uh, vintage or the aging process is different now. Not all of the the processes of Japanese whiskey don't always use the same processes of that Scotch does. Yeah. To get the same effect, but they aren't allowing for the time. Mm. They're just they're grabbing them and going, and then this oak that they use is really scarce. Are they, in Japan, do you know, are they using American oak barrels or bourbon barrels? or No, like... this is Mizuno oak. Oh, so rare. So it's rare oak. I mean, that's, and that changes the price point too, because they're making a new barrel. They might reuse barrels possibly yeah. with other small batch operators and that kind of thing. But, you know, if you think about how big Japan is, it's not right. a huge country. Space is limited. Right. But they have quite a few distilleries. I don't know what the population of Japan is. I'll be yeah. interested to see. All right, good. Let's taste it. So yeah. it's got, it's like a lovely golden color, mm-hmm. like wheat. And it's got good The nose nuts. is really, you know, 
some fruit in that nose. Pretty subtle nose. It's not very in your face. No. You know, one of the things they talked about on the Scott show is not to stick your nose deep in the glass. Yes. Just, just let the fumes let, come yeah, up. Yeah, because to otherwise you. you get a whole bunch of uh, alcohol. Right. I smell like a caramel fruit going on. Yeah. It's I, really light, though. It's not It's not poured. No, I smell caramel, too. Wow, that's just beautiful. That's like a scotch. It's scotch-like, yes. The legs are great. It's wow. just got a lovely got like flavor. A, I got like a chocolatey kind of. Yeah. Got a lovely sort of full flavor profile and then a long finish. And then you're left with that sort of chocolate essence at the end. Didn't you get that? It was like almost like a chocolate explosion. Yeah. This whiskey seems like it'll take just a drop of water to open it up. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's like need a, the a Irish pour. whiskey that yeah. usually has a short pour. I think this is like a, one of our drop kind of thing because it's so close to a scotch. Yeah. And that just softens the nose completely. Yeah. I really get like a burnt sugar aroma from that. Oh my God. That just opened it up. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a lovely whiskey. That opened it up. Very drinkable. I can see why they're not leaving them to sit on the shelf. These are just delicious as they are. Yeah. That's, it's lovely. Mm. So when we tried it neat, I definitely got the warming right here in my chest, yeah. you know. And now with it, so just a couple drops, it's opened up the flavor. The flavor just has come all full yeah, power. Very fruity. Yeah. You sort of get the sense that it's a very balanced whiskey. Like it doesn't feel like it's in shifting in one direction or another in terms of the flavor profile. Fruity, vanilla, chocolate. Yeah. Some spiciness I can't really put my finger on, but there's some kind of, you know, like when you have apple pie and there's a myriad of spices, usually it's just cinnamon, but sometimes people add other things. Not bad, anyway. And they all kind of come together. So it's not like you're just not just tasting single spices. It's like a a blend. Yeah, it's like a baking spice type right. blend that I'm getting. Hmm. Just a hint of it, but it's really lovely. Good. Love it. I'm a yes to Japanese whiskey. Mm -hmm. Especially this one. Chapter five. Okay, so this is the chapter where she describes the actual Wall Street crash as it's developing. I, and I, I really thought this part was well written because I felt like I was in it mm. with protagonist I, I felt like the way it was described was definitely financial world but also lay people like myself who are not on wall street experienced it on the other side where we were losing money yeah and it really spoke to me because i just remember that time it was yeah. a scary time it really was i had a friend who was an investment banker yeah and he called me one night and he said i need to meet you at the pub like now so really i i drove down to the local pub and we sat down with him and he said, I'm sorry, but the financial markets are going to collapse tomorrow. Get as much cash as you can. The dollar is going to get broken. Wow. And that's how palpable the problem was. And when there was a moment where there was concern, like was the dollar going to hold? Mm -hmm. And the markets just collapsed. So when she's talking about that sense of despair, mm -hmm. that sense of the calamity that that Wall Street crash was. I mean, people don't really get it today because we were in this pandemic now mm -hmm. and there's been a financial impact in this pandemic. There's been a financial crisis with this, yeah. this COVID. Yes, but this pandemic is more broad. Yes. And the impact is more generalized. That 
crisis that happened in, in 2007, 2008 was literally a catastrophic evisceration of the financial markets. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when Lehman went bankrupt, you know, it was like shocking. People couldn't believe that was happening. Well, what's interesting is for those of us that have gone through that crash. Yeah. I mean, we obviously learned some things because I'll just tell you right now, the writing was on the wall with COVID and yeah. being a global phenomenon. That means global markets are right. affected. I mean, I jerked everything and put it into cash. Uh, cash. Yeah. I mean, I jerked everything. Right. And said, nope. I'm not going to be in a volatile market. I'm not going to watch everything just slide away. Cause I remember when that fell, yeah. I think I, and I don't have a lot of money invested, but the yeah. reality is I watched a dip of over $50,000. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean lost, like, I lost and we're a talking, fortune and we're talking retirement accounts. So yeah. I didn't have a lot in there to begin with. Right. So 50,000 was well over half of my retirement, uh, uh, retirement savings at the time. Yeah. And I was like, this is yeah. crazy. Now, I was, I was at the, in those days. I was playing the stock market as a oh, day trader. Yeah, okay. I got killed. Oh god, I just got killed. Yeah, I lost everything. No, it was terrible. It was a really terrible. So I get experience. her. You know, I think it's, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to revel in people's despair, but just even her description of, uh you know, talking to presidents of companies and CFOs right. and they're crying. No, they're sobbing. Sure. No, I, you really and, got, you really you got know, the whole world. There were people the crash. like committing suicide. It wasn't, oh, it yeah. was no different than when the crash happened during um, the, the depression. Right. People jumping at buildings. I mean, people yeah. weren't necessarily jumping at buildings, but people were, this was huge. It was. And people were angry. And the thing that made the it end so interesting. were angry. Yeah. The thing that made it so interesting was that beyond everything, it was the housing market that crashed. Yep. And I would recommend people read Michael Lewis's book, The Big Short, or watch the movie The Big Short mm-hmm. to just get another point of view on this conversation about just how devastating the crash was. You know, that crash spread around the world and you started having countries like Greece defaulting and Italy defaulting. Oh, yeah. And it just became this this sort of mammoth catastrophe. Well, even think about like you're talking about you worked the as a day trader yeah. on the side and in our investments and then we also watched our homes get devalued. Yeah. I mean like to the point where you have to say to yourself, well I guess I have to you know maybe you were planning to move, change careers or whatever and you you could still do that. It wasn't like you couldn't do that, but the reality is you couldn't get out from underneath your home. No. You were like I'm backwards again. Well, you, I was were, just getting people, ahead and yeah, I'm backwards. A lot of people were upside down in their mortgages because yep. they were taking these like really aggressive mortgage instruments, taking all the equity yep. out of their houses. All those stuff. fancy little instruments yeah. that were imaginatively getting you into a multi-million dollar home right. when you really couldn't afford it. But then it was interest only. Those interest only loans, right. the, eight, the CDs and yeah. E loans. Yeah. We had a friend who was actually specialized in those uh, lower level loans right and it just fell apart and people were left like in lake tahoe this person was yeah. in lake tahoe with these huge expensive properties that were just backwards on they and they lost yeah. they lost them to the bank yeah uh, that was all over the place and so that was the mindset and i thought that the author conveyed the mm-hmm. the sense of dread like perfectly because you yeah. really you really left with the whole world of it right yeah and then you've got amy who yeah is trying to get laid and the people she's generally fucking 
are these investment related people and everybody's depressed so she's really struggling to get well and and you see her looking to try to find her fix yeah because initially this was her fix she she was initially the chapter before she wasn't getting laid so she developed this scenario to get her fix and now she even talks about well let me go back a second what was interesting about chapter four is she talked about it almost like being a costume she's get, creating herself in her workspace yes a costume to be a broker right? right and then when she went out to get laid she created a costume right to and and a name a false name to be something for getting laid right. and then she refers in chapter five to having trying on all these other costumes if you right. will these different names being these different girls trying right. to find a way to band-aid or nurture her right during the time of complete stress because she's in the brunt of the stress right now well she she's working in the middle of it yep and people she plays with are suffering from it yep and she can't buy an orgasm and so yeah, she can't buy an orgasm right and so you end up <laughs> she ends up you know describing the scene right where she she turns. finally goes with one of the guys yeah she gets she gets with a guy and he's he's basically trying to eat her pussy and she's not gonna come so she tells him to fuck her and then he starts to fuck her and then she's like okay fuck me deeper fuck me harder and she makes it so that she's getting like used Pummeled. sort of like well, how does she describe it she Pounding. said yeah, yeah just yeah just pounded right she she talks it's amazing because about... she talks about him hitting the cervix and right. I, and and they're Obviously, I'm a masochist, but that that's a one area that is not my favorite place to be pummeled. Yeah. And it might be because I've had kids, too, for that matter. It changes shape and it right. changes t tilt. But, like, for most of my friends, even if they're masochists, they don't like the service pounded. So she was almost using it like a masochistic release if yeah. you will because she did like when her face was slapped did you notice that yeah she came so, when her face got slapped. right so i'm i'm thinking she's a masochist at heart at heart yeah and that you know she needed soothing and the way to get her to that place was to hurt her to get her head straight about where she, well, she I took was something slightly different from that what i took was there was so much noise in her head yeah that she needed something very intense to distract her from the noise in her head. So she needed to be fucked hard. She needed no. to be she needed to be pounded. She needed to be choked. She needed to be slapped. She tried to get his hand in her pussy, which I can't quite figure the mechanics yeah, that of that was, out. That one I didn't get. When yeah, it, she that, said she stuck his she took his hand before he slapped her again and stuck it in her pussy, yet he's fucking her. I'm like, how does that happen? I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the mechanics of that are. Maybe that meant just on the top of her place. I don't know. Yeah, I can't picture it. But what I got was she needed intense, an intense sexual encounter, including being slapped in the face while she's being fucked and choked. Okay. But, so that she could actually get out of her head and, and allow herself to But come. that's what I'm saying is Amascus uses pain to distract to distract and be present to quiet the mind so that's yeah. that is what i'm saying is that yeah. and she wasn't elaborating about the fucking no what she elaborated on several times was the face slapping yeah and the pumpling of her cervix yeah okay specifically which are both let's just say pain sensory type 
experiences. Right. Which leads me to the masochistic behavior right. of quieting the mind, like bringing her, because she had talked before about meeting with other men that she actually got up to the, their bedrooms with yeah. at the hotel. But she made the mistake of like talking about the financial market. And then that led the conversation and was pretty much a, downer like she didn't want to get fucked or anything this guy happened to have a newspaper open about some big headline about the crash and it was a turnoff for her right but she was so desperate to stop thinking about what's happening that she wanted him to fuck her now initially that was the description is fuck me but the reality is that wasn't that if he had just fucked her that wouldn't have been enough. Well, she said, you got to go deeper and harder. She well, actually... she didn't tell him to slap her. No. The whole point is when he slapped her, that was a, something new for her. If you, you know, she might've been slapped before, but that, that seemed like something new. Yeah. And the pummeling of her cervix, which is a pain area. Both of those together were desensitizing her to her thinking, overthinking. it. Yeah, I think so. I, I just really feel that. Yeah, so there's a tension now between where we know this is going, that she becomes a a pro-dom, basically, Mm -hmm. and where she's finding her own release, which is as a masochist. But I don't think that's that's in um, conflict. I'm a masochist. No, I get that. And I can easily be a dominate. No, I get it. Because there's a different kind of, you're getting off on the power. Yeah. And she does, she's alluded to that, that she yes. gets off on the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's multiple levels here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think the chapter captures the moment pretty precisely. Mm. I think it's a great chapter. It's short, yeah. but I think it's perfect for what is to come next. Yeah, it's very good. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!